All right. So, we have had the opportunity this morning to already sing of the resurrection of Jesus, to sing of the death that he died for the forgiveness of our sins, and today now we have an opportunity, and we're going to go through a journey through Scripture in which we're going to see uh, what we just sang about, and what we've been talking about even early this morning, if you're with us for our sunrise service, in the midst of the snow, we were reminded that Jesus is alive, and that his resurrection and his life is true, even no matter what our experience or our own feeble minds may tell us, but indeed the truth is that Jesus died and rose again. And we are here today to remember that. We are here today to celebrate that. And we are here today, ultimately, to find hope in that truth. And I hope, by the time we are done today, that you will have hope. If you don't already, and if you do already have hope, it will be a renewed hope that you'll have this morning as we spend time in God's Word today. So it's been said that the Bible contains the greatest story ever told. And I would say this is categorically true. Although this is not a story in the sense that it is fiction, it is a, it is a true narrative story of the, of the whole of history from beginning to end. Well, not only history that's already gone by, but history that is still yet to be, which sounds strange to us, but as we understand a God who is outside of time and a God who sees the beginning and the end all at once, we can understand that his word, the Bible, takes us on a journey of the most fantastic story that we could ever experience, that we could ever hear of, that we could ever receive, and that that story puts us in the story itself as well with an opportunity to look at what God is doing in this world. And so today, I know it might sound daunting, but we're going to take a, just a big picture view of the greatest story ever told. Now, I took some literature classes in high school. Some of you might even be more familiar with literature and how all the parts go together in a good classic story. But I was able to find this week that there are five elements that are in every good story, five elements of plot that must be there, or the story doesn't quite make sense. And today we're going to use those five categories of what a good literature student would say makes up a good story. Uh, and we're going to look at those five things and see where we see them in the Bible. And then at the end of it, see how it all comes together to bring us together to one unified theme. And the theme this morning, and you could say that the theme of the Bible is a lot of things. Uh, many times I've heard it said that the theme of the Bible is indeed redemption, which is absolutely true. That all things are redeemed, that what was broken is fixed. Like that is the theme we see throughout the Bible. But today, as I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about doing sunrise service, which again, the clouds were out, the sun wasn't necessarily, but I'm thinking about light, and I'm thinking about light in the darkness. And I, and as I looked at the whole of the Bible, I thought, you know what, there's a very interesting theme that we see develop from the very first chapter of the Bible to the very last chapter of the Bible. And that theme that we're going to talk about tonight is light. Light and darkness. And the fact that the, the whole theme of the Bible says there is a light at the end of the tunnel. That we are living in a tunnel right now of darkness, but but darkness has been defeated and light is there. Light is coming if we just journey through this life and wait on God. And that is our hope today as we look at what the Bible has to say. And so as we break this down in our five pieces, there's going to be the exposition, which I'm told is basically the introduction. 
It gives you everything that you're going to need to know. It creates a problem. It says, this is, this is where everything has started. This is what, this is the background that you need to have in order for the story to take off. This is usually the first or couple chapters of a novel if you would be reading it. And that would be the first one. The next one is rising action. This is where things start to get interesting and exciting. Maybe this is where the problem enters that needs to be fixed. There's some tension that is created during the rising action. So this would be that second part of the book. And then you get towards the the middle, towards the end, and you come to the climax of the book, the climax of the plot, in which everything comes together and you see what the whole book is really all about. And from that point, everything led up to it and everything leads away from it. Then there's the falling action, which is the next point. And the next, the falling action is simply bringing resolution as a result of the climax, how all of that is going to be resolved. And finally, that does bring us to what literature students would say, the resolution of the story. We might call it the conclusion, but it's the end of the story that bring, that wraps it all up. Everything that's been said throughout the whole story is all brought together at the end to resolve whatever the plot lines might have been to bring it to a completion. And the Bible does the same thing. And we're going to start with the exposition, the introduction, if you will. Right in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And remember, we're looking at this theme of light. And right in the very first chapter, we see light as a theme being developed. So, Genesis 1, verses 1 through 4, if you'd read along with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Right off the bat, we see that the world is filled with darkness, and the very first words going to get ahead of ourselves. But the original state of the world, if you're following your outline, the original state of the world, darkness. Without form, void, dark. That's how we enter the scene. That's how the world enters the scene of scripture. And immediately then what we see is God is on the scene, as he's always been on the scene, and his very first words, the very first words that we have recorded that God says are these words, let there be light. Let there be light. And As we look at the creation narrative, as we look at what God has done, he creates the whole world in six days, and his creation is wonderful, his creation is good. But the very first thing that's created is this physical light, but as we look at this light and the darkness being divided, we will see that that will one day become a metaphor for something so much greater, such a light that is even greater than natural light that we are, that we are looking at here in this passage. And we see, so yes, the original state of the world is darkness. The first words of God, let there be light. And then we see that light is good. That's going to be important today. As I hope, as we think about the resurrection of Jesus, that we have light that will come into our hearts and into our lives. And as light comes, good comes. Darkness is a scary place. Darkness is not always good. Indeed, many times it's not. There are many times I get up in the middle of the night Usually it's because my wife forgot to turn something off and so she prompts me to go and I'm too lazy to turn the lights on, which I'm, it's not really very smart because I travel through my house. We've got animals, we've got kids, they leave things all over the floor. So I end up stepping on Legos, I end up running into walls, 
you know, running into our kitchen table because I'm in darkness. And the whole time that I'm traveling through that darkness, I am nervous. I am anxious. I don't really know where I'm going or what's coming. And that is kind of the idea of darkness. Darkness brings us into confusion. It brings us into pain. There is darkness and it's an uncomfortable feeling to be in the dark. Some of you might love being in the dark, but I would say that most of us, if we were in pitch darkness for a long time, it would disturb us greatly. There's a reason for that. Because light is good. God created it as good from the very beginning. And so, this is the introduction, the exposition of our story. God is on the scene. God creates the world and he creates it with light. And light comes into the world and he creates all things and all things become good. All things are good in his sight as he's created. He creates man and woman. He creates everything that we know in this world. And it was all created good. And so that's the beginning of our story. And now we see the rising action. Now, obviously, the rising action takes place, I would say, throughout the whole Old Testament. So I could read the whole Old Testament to you this morning, but I'm pretty sure some of you have Easter dinners to get to, so I won't do that. But I do want to just pick a few verses out of the midst of the Old Testament that are written to the people of Israel who God chose out of the whole world to bring his story of light and goodness and redemption to the world that had sinned and fallen away. The world had sinned and turned their backs on God. Sin is a time in which what we would have seen if we would have continued in Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve, they break God's law of, of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in doing so, their rebellion and their selfishness and their unbelief and what God has to say, it become, it is sin. And it creates a problem in our story. It creates more darkness, which we'll see in just a moment, as highlighted in Isaiah chapter 8. So in Isaiah chapter 8, as I said, God is talking to the people of Israel. But the picture that he paints is for all of the world to see that, in, that as sin has entered, there is now darkness in the world yet again. And so the rising action here in Isaiah eight twenty through 9, 2. Let's start with that passage and read along. To the teaching and to the testimony... If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. They will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt in the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. So what's happening here in Isaiah 8 through 9, there's a couple of pieces here. The first thing we see is that the people have been plunged into darkness as a result of sin, as I already said. Sin has entered the world and now people are living a life of anguish. People are living a life of darkness in the gloom of anguish, in distress and darkness. That is what happens as a result of sin. Not only sin that came into this world to darken the light that God had created, but sin that darkens our hearts, that creates distress even for us, that that creates darkness and anguish. But in Isaiah, not only are we told about the darkness that has come as a result of sin, but there is a promise given as the action is rising in our story. And that promise is that God has promised that another light would come. 
Here in, in chapter 9, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light shone. Now this is said in a past tense, but this happens a lot when God is giving prophecy of what's about to happen, because he's saying it's as good as done, and he says a light is coming, a light has come, a light is coming to dispel the darkness that has come as a result of sin. The physical, real darkness that was was brought out, where light was brought out in the original creation, now there is a new darkness of sin and distress and all of the things that go along with sin and distress. But yet there is a light that will come that will dispel the darkness just as God did in creation. And then we move to Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 17, where this light that was to come, we see the fulfillment. We see... That there is a light that enters in in the scene of our story. So as we continue to talk about the rising action, there is a promised light that is coming to dispel the darkness as a result of sin. And in Matthew four twelve through 17, this is what we read. Now when he had heard, and this is Jesus, that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went out and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Nephtali, so that it was spoken by the prophet of Isaiah might be fulfilled. You will remember these words. The land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As the... Action rises throughout the Old Testament. We see sin destroy things and bring darkness over the whole world. It's all pointing us now to when Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus is born as a baby. We celebrate that on Christmas. As a human baby, he's born. God himself comes to be man, to be able to live a life that we could not live. And he goes on and we see here that Jesus is the one that has come to bring light into the darkness. He is the light that will expose the darkness, that it will dispel the darkness. So we see that Jesus is the light that came to shine in the darkness. The fact that Jesus was sent into this world, he was sent as a light into the darkness. How good and comforting is it when we are in the dark if we have a flashlight? Even a little bit of light can shine enough for us to see, but Jesus is a light who will cut through all the darkness. And that's what he preaches he comes, and we've been looking at the, the book of Matthew, if you've been with us at church on Sunday mornings, where we've been looking at the fact that through the book of Matthew, Jesus continues to reveal what he's teaching and what he's doing to show his kingship over the world. That indeed, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and Jesus preaches that the light has come, that the light has come to the darkness, and people no longer have to live in darkness any longer. That's what Jesus promises as he comes on the scene during our rising action of our story. Jesus goes and he lives this life, a perfect life of no sin. He ministers to people. He, 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 uh, he cures people. He heals people. And he preaches salvation from sin. He does all of that. But then we come to the climax of our story. The very climax of the plot of our story happens as we look at what happened in the week that we've just celebrated together that many call Holy Week. Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, now Easter Sunday. We are celebrating a holy week, and at this point in history is when the climax happens in our story. 
Because we see all that the Old Testament and early New Testament pointed to and everything left that's going to come behind it and all the rest of the New Testament, all the way to the very chapter, last chapter in Revelation, would all point back to this one moment in the plot of what the Bible tells us is so important. Remember, as we think about this idea of light and darkness, we see something happen in the middle of all of this and our plot comes to the point where it's ready to climax and here we are. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, verses 44 through 48. It was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. As we get to the point of the climax of our plot, we see that Jesus, the one who came to preach light, to bring light into the darkness, the one who came to preach salvation from sin and salvation from all the darkness of this world, We see him die. We see that Jesus' life ended with his crucifixion, and that's not actually a fair statement, because we know as Christians that his life didn't really end there, but it seemed like his life had ended with his crucifixion. And do we see even at the moment where when he's being crucified, we see that darkness had again overtaken the world. We see darkness had again overtaken the world. Right here from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, This was in the middle of the day where the sun would have been shining high and bright on a normal day. But instead, the world is put into complete darkness as Jesus takes the the punishment and the wrath of God on himself for all of our sin. The time that we've turned away our backs from God, when we've said no to him, when we've not done what he asked us to do, when we have lived our own way, when we have lived in unbelief, when we have sinned against God, all of those things Jesus was there to forgive, but he needed to die in order for that to happen because our what we deserved was to die. We deserved to die not only physically, but also to die spiritually, to be forever separated from the mercy and good and goodness of God in hell forever. That was our, that was our destiny for all of us who have sinned. And the darkness that we see here as Jesus dies is because he's taking all of that sin on himself. And there is, yes, a physical darkness and there is also a spiritual darkness happening. The darkness has overcome the world yet again. Through Jesus' death. And can I just say at this moment, this is when, if you're reading the story and you don't know the end, you would, you would just start weeping. Because it would seem like all hope is lost. That everything, that the whole story has worked up to, to this point, didn't matter. Because now the one who had been pointed to, the one that was bringing light into the darkness, was now dead and darkness had come back. It seems as though the darkness had won. Thankfully, we see that there is so much more to what happens in this part of our story. Not only does Jesus die to pay the penalty for our sins, that we deserve to die, and yet he died it for us on our behalf, but then something incredible happens. And what we see as what happens next is what we've been talking about all morning. I think the PowerPoint's messed up a little bit, but we're going to Luke 24, 1 through 7. Luke 24, 1 through 7. 
But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And when they had found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and to be crucified. And on the third day, rise. That is the truth that we have. You see, yes, Jesus' life supposedly ended at his crucifixion and darkness had overtaken the world. But at a new dawn, Jesus came back to life. As the sun was rising, as the they... They went to the tomb to find it empty because there is now a new light that is back in the world because Jesus is alive. Jesus was alive then and Jesus is still alive today. And so where we were plunged into darkness in the midst of our of the climax of our story, now we see light has won yet again. You see, as we come together for Easter, we celebrate this. We celebrate this moment, Jesus' death and his resurrection, the death that he paid the price for our sin and the resurrection that shows his power over sin and death, that if we trust him with our lives and we believe in what he's done and who he is, that we too can live in light and not in darkness anymore. That is the hope we have as Jesus shows that sin and death had no hold on him. The grave had no hold on him. He is alive and his light is still shining brightly. That is the hope and the glory that we have to know. That yes, in this theme of light and darkness, darkness may have seemed like it was going to win, but at the end of the day, light wins. And that's what we see at the climax of our story. Then we move on to the falling action. So this is the greatest story ever told. And we see that Jesus died and rose again. He challenged his disciples, those who were following him, to live on and live on what he has teached, what he has preached and what he has taught them. And he tells them to go on and to make disciples, to continue to bring people into the light. And then I want to look at a passage that talks about what's happening in the meantime. Between what happened then and what will happen in the future, what is happening right now? And in the whole scheme of history... This is where we find ourselves. We are in the falling action of the story that we have been looking at today. As we live right now, we are living in the falling action as we prepare, as we remember what Jesus has done, as we remember that the light is one, and we see in the future that there is light, even more light coming. We are now living in the midst of the falling action in 2 Corinthians 4. In 2 Corinthians 4, we're going to start just by reading the first six verses. I'm going to start by reading the first six verses. Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. To keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
for God in verse 6, who said, let light shine out of darkness. This is a reference back to Jesus. God's very first words, let there be light. And what Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is that we who believe in Jesus have light within us and we are light bringers to those who are blind. Those who are groping around in the darkness, it is our responsibility as followers of Jesus to bring light to the world that Jesus has already brought that light and now we just carry the light with us. And as we do that, we, we, the, the minds around us may be still wandering in the darkness. People are blinded to the light, but the light of the gospel is the glory of Christ. And the light is now shining in our hearts. The light that God created on, on day one. When he created that light, now there is light in a metaphorical way that is in us that we share with the world around us. And that light is found in the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Jesus is the light that we point others to. And if you're here today and you feel like you're still walking in darkness, you don't know the light of Jesus that you feel blind at times and you don't see hope, you don't see the goodness of Jesus, you don't see what's happening and you don't know him, you you don't have to be blind forever. Open your eyes. Ask him to open your eyes. Receive Jesus and what he's done. Ask him for forgiveness. Trust him with your life and he will light up your life. He promises that will be the truth. And As the rest of us who know Jesus are bearing the light that he has given us, we want to shine that for you, and we want you to be in the light as well. And for the rest of us, we need to know that we are bringing light to all those around us who are blinded by the darkness. The next thing that I want us to look at in this falling action piece, not only are we those who bring the light, but there's a a light that we hold that helps us in this life. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 12. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, yet not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. This second passage reminds us of something very simple, and that is that though we face the darkness, though we face the darkness, we have hope in the light of Jesus' resurrection. Though we face the darkness, we have hope in the light of Jesus' resurrection. That is what we see here in this passage. It says, listen, this life is still going to be hard. There's going to be affliction, but that doesn't mean that we're going to be crushed. We're going to be perplexed at times, but that doesn't mean we need to despair. We are going to be persecuted for believing in Jesus, but we won't be forsaken by God. We might be struck down by people, but we will not be destroyed. That no matter what people bring against us, no matter even if death itself is at our doorstep, there is life in Jesus, and he wants to show himself through us, even in the hardest times, and he will see us through. Now, this, these words here don't say anything about darkness, but just think about what darkness was talked about earlier of despair. And what the Bible is telling us is we no longer have a reason to despair. We no longer, if we know Jesus, have a reason to walk in darkness, but we can walk in hope. Even when life doesn't go the way we might want it to, there is hope in the life and resurrection of Jesus. 
That is the hope that 2 Corinthians chapter 4 gives us. So we see that though we who believe in Jesus are light bringers to those who are blind, and though we face the darkness, we have hope in the light of Jesus' resurrection. And then finally, as we read verses 13 through 18, this is what we see. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. It is all for your sake so that his grace extends more and more to people as it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not only to the things, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Again, we're reminded of the resurrection of Jesus. And what does that remind us of? That we should not lose heart, as verse 16 tells us. There are many of us right now in this room that are tempted to lose heart, to give up, to lose our hope, to walk away from the hope that we know that God has promised. And we are tempted to lose heart. But God tells us, do not lose heart, because no, even if all the stuff on the outside, the life we see is wasting away, remember the resurrection of Jesus. Remember the fact that everything seemed dark and hopeless when Jesus died on that cross. It seemed like there was no hope for any of us, that the the darkness had won and everything had spiraled out of control and the story that we thought was going to have a good ending was a horrible ending. But that wasn't true then and it's not true now. The death of Jesus led to his resurrection and as we remember the resurrection, we know that God brings good even out of the darkest times. And so as we read this verse, these verses again, we don't lose heart because this affliction that we have is just momentary. And the things we see and experience now in this life are transient. They won't last. But faith in Jesus, trusting in him, knowing that there is a hope that goes beyond this world, that brings us true light. There is more than just this life. There is hope and light. Even in the darkness of this life, there is more to life. The more to life is Jesus himself. He is the light. Even though the world may be spinning out of control, even though the darkness may be trying to invade our lives, do not lose heart because what's happening now is only momentary. There is eternal glory to come as we spend forever in the presence of Jesus, the light of the world. And so that is the hope that we can find in the midst of this falling action So we look back to Jesus' death and resurrection and we say no matter what comes in this life, no matter what we experience, God is good and God is light and he'll bring light to the darkness even if it's not till the very end of our lives as we know them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 again reminds us of all these things that we bring light to those who are blind. That even in the midst of darkness, we have hope in the light of Jesus' resurrection. And that also reminds us that there is more to this life. That's the understanding that we have as we even remember Easter. So then we come to the resolution. And I am super excited about the resolution. So here's the thing. Like, I didn't even realize this until this week. 
the very first words of God, let there be light, right? Genesis chapter 1. Now we find ourselves in Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter of the Bible. So we've gone from chapter 1 of the Bible to the very last chapter, and let's read what it says. Revelation 22, 3 through 5, and then verse 20 as well. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, speaking about the new heavens and the new earth, what is coming, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. The last words in Revelation 22 bring us back to light. Earlier on in, in Revelation 21, it also talks about this, but here it, the idea is is when Jesus comes back again, which the Bible, it, from the falling action, as we look towards the end, the Bible keeps telling us Jesus is coming back. Like, he, he died, he rose again, he went to heaven, but he's coming back and he's going to set all things right. He's going to expel the darkness once and for all. He's already done it through his death and resurrection, but he's going to do it finally as he comes back and receives all those who know him and he comes back to set all things right. And we know that the book of Revelation is all about that, pointing us to the future. But in the midst of that, the new heavens, the new earth, what God is coming to recreate as Jesus returns, it's, there's no darkness. None. No night, no darkness, because we don't need artificial light anymore because God himself will be our light. How cool is it that chapter 1, God says, let there be light, and then in the last chapter says, there is no more need for light. God's very first creation is now God's eternal blessing. A beautiful story we see is going to end as light overcomes the darkness once and for all, and darkness is no more. I got ahead of myself, I don't even know if I filled up my blanks. In the new heavens and earth, there is no darkness. In the new heavens and earth, there is no darkness. Jesus' presence is all the light we will ever need. Jesus will be with us, and that's all we need. We don't need anything else. We don't need a lamp. We don't need a flashlight. We don't need artificial ways of dealing with pain. No, we have Jesus. He is the light in the midst. He is not even in the midst of the darkness anymore. He is the light. There is no darkness. And then the very last words of God as he says, This is coming. There's going to be no darkness, it's light. And then we read in in verse 20, this beautiful promise, he who testifies to these things. So Jesus just said, listen, there's going to be no more darkness. What does he say? He says, surely I am coming soon. Amen, come Lord Jesus. Is that our call today as we celebrate Easter? Let's not just get caught up in remembering what's already happened. Yes, we go back to the climax of our story and we remember that Jesus died and rose again. And that is what bought us our salvation for those who believe in Jesus. But there is more to the story. There is coming a day when all darkness will be removed. Jesus' presence will be with us eternally. And we are told that that day is coming soon. Now, this was said 2,000 years ago. We don't know what Jesus means by soon, but what I do know is that when he says soon, he wants us to be ready for it, even if it's today, even if it's tomorrow. How amazing would it be if today, when we celebrated a white Easter, Jesus comes back. He has, he has cleansed us from our sin, right? He's made us white as snow, and he comes back to set all things right. How wonderful that would be. But even if he tarries for another day, another week, another year, another ten years, another century, 
He is coming soon, and we live in light of that because we know the light is coming no matter what the darkness is around us. And so as a few last words, and uh, if the worship team would want to start moving forward, I shouldn't have too much more to say. We have one more song we're going to sing in a moment as they come forward. But a few things I want to say on this Easter Sunday that I want to remind us of again. The whole story of the Bible, the greatest story ever told, points us to the fact that light overcomes darkness, that light defeats the darkness every time, that Jesus is the light. And so this morning, we may celebrate the fact that at that first dawn, when the sun was rising, so the Son of God rose from the dead, and he brought light with his resurrection. And we remember that and we praise him and we worship him for that. And in just a moment we'll sing about that in, and we'll have an opportunity to continue to worship him for that. But let us also keep in mind that the same God who defeated the darkness and brought the light is still the same light for you today. I don't know what type of darkness you are facing in your life. We all have different situations in our life where it seems like we're stumbling around in the darkness and we don't know where to go and we can't see in front of us. But what I do know is that the fact that Jesus rose again proves something wonderful to all of us. That no matter what this life brings, no matter how bad and dark and despairing it might seem, that Jesus is going, he can defeat it. He can cut through it. He can give you hope that no one else can have. A true living hope that will never disappoint. A living hope that you will have forever no matter what this world brings. So this Easter, let us trust in the Jesus who brings light to the darkness And don't buy the lie that the darkness is overcoming you because Jesus can overcome the darkness and he will if you simply ask and believe. So this Easter, would you believe in Jesus and let the light that he brings shine in you and on you and in the situations that you find yourself in. If you'd please stand and join us now as we do sing a song appropriately titled Living Hope. Let's sing.